Hello, everyone. Welcome to Breakfast with Ban. Here at the Ban Arbitrage Network, we strive to combine data and experience to help you have a better working knowledge of MTG Finance. Specifically today, we want to talk about a few things that are affecting the market. Those things like EDH and the big winners of the new Neo Kamigawa set. Also, we're going to touch on secret layers just briefly. I want to thank Bacon for joining us today. Bacon, how are you doing? Uh, I'm awake. I love these midday podcasts. I, I'm used to the older midnight, 1, 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, so it's nice to actually be conscious. And I've already had a coffee, so I'm good to go. Yeah, I am just getting my first cup of coffee. I had to wake up my 15-year-old this morning. His alarm didn't go off at 6.30, or it might have, but he didn't get up. Is there anything major in the market affecting you right now as a seller? I don't think I'm noticing any big differences in the market for me for a seller. Um, Direct seems to be kicking back up again on TCG. There was a strange window there where they just seemed to have a lack of inventory, but um, that's kicked back up now. So no, 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 no big differences for me at the moment. One of the things that affected me is I got caught with the bug that TCG player admitted to this past week that was withholding payments. They admitted to fixing that. We'll see if we actually get money quicker. I, 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 I didn't actually realize that was how that worked. I, I saw a notification about how they were changing the payouts, but I didn't notice a big difference on my end. I went in to look last night because I've been doing taxes all week. I went in to look last night and realized that I had $7,000 in sales already this year, and I didn't know where the money had gone or what had happened to it. So I was trying to catch up and trying to figure out where that money was and just realizing I've bought a whole ton of cards. And it's not really disappearing. It's just getting used as soon as it comes in because there's always opportunities for me to buy things now. Did you happen to fall into the same pitfall I did? And I spent ages trying to find where my money was and I forgot to check how much I'd paid in fees. Yeah, I realized I would, I'm about $1,500 in fees already. Yeah, this I, was, year. I was like just, just shy of 20000 and there was like 2800 just missing. I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, no, that, it has to be somewhere. It can't just be not there. And I just didn't even factor in all the fees. Yeah, the the fifteen percent fees on sales is just unbelievable to me. It, it it is brutal, but at the same time, with how we all operate our businesses, we don't see that fifteen percent loss as bad as others. Like we're able to get get in early and get out at the right price. That's just part of the business of MTG Finance. You know, fifteen percent seller fees is not unheard of. It's pretty common across the market. I think. Channel Fireball has actually increased their rates as well. Yeah, I believe they've gone up as well. So just finding a good market in order to be able to buy and sell is always a good thing. The fun part, though, is EDH always drives the, the market. And I am absolutely astounded by that because I don't play it. So what, what have you noticed about EDH in the market? It's the same pattern that's been going for the last, what, three and a half, four years. It, it's just been driving the format, even when competitive was a thing. It's just been heavily driven by EDH or more Commander, whichever way you want to say it. But I don't know. It's it's just that casual is king now. And even if competitive comes back, which we've heard is happening at the end of the month, it's it's still not going to change. People are still going to want to play the casual. We know that SCG Con in Indianapolis happened over the weekend. One of the things that I noticed was that there was more pictures of people playing EDH than there were of people playing in the tournament. We had 
a group of high-level judges from Minneapolis-St. Paul travel, Minneapolis-St. Paul and Madison travel to SCGCon in Indianapolis. They got there, they played the main event, and were done on day one. And then on day two, they sat down with each other and played EDH for the rest of the day. And it was just one of those things that they were just so excited to be able to bring out their fun little niche decks to play against each other because they hadn't had a chance to get together and play for, for quite a while. I mean, I, I'm a, a classic example of that as an ex-semi-pro player who just used, I used to play for the competitive edge. Like I wanted to play because I felt like I was better than the other people around me in within the game and that I had that edge. So I wanted to try and see how far I could go. Now, every time I turn on Magic Online, all my friends reach out to me for Magic. I'm either wanting to see is the holiday cube up for me to go and draft or who ha- who has the best cube for us to go and play with. I just, I'm not excited to play competitively anymore. It's just not fun. I think that's a shift for a lot of people in this world. Uh, If you remember, during the return to Ravnica block, there was a big push for people to be able to get to play competitive magic at the pro scene. And there was a big push because people found better ways to get to the pro scene. And then the avenues changed. And then the avenues changed again, and they changed again, and they changed again. And now nobody really knows how to get to the pro scene. But there was a major pro tournament in the last week and a half. And I don't think anybody noticed. No, it was very quiet. I only found out this morning. That being said, what's really driving the market? It's what people love to play. It's the things that people have the most fun at. And I got to be honest, I'm, I'm a competitive guy too. I would love to play competitive tournaments every single week. The problem is, is I can't get a tournament every single week. And usually the ones I get, I'm judging. So... There's it's kind a, of a weird, weird place in there. There's also the side that, like, like Hasbro, and when they took over, they were they've been moving away from the competitive scene now for oh god, what ten years, ten, ten plus years. They've been slowly, slowly moving towards what is better for them in the market. When they, they had this big clump of old school players and competitive players and people who were either on the train, off the train, trying to get on, and that was what they thought their market was. And that's just changed completely. And if anything, the start of the pandemic was the blessing for them because that gave them an out. It gave them a way to move away from something that they've been actively trying to move away from because they had no choice. It was either move away or just put everything on pause and wait. And they did. They They cut everything off. They closed all the major events, they released the pros, and they've started pushing the casual product, and their profits haven't stopped going up. People haven't stopped buying, and the game is still thriving. EDH is is king. I, I sell more individual cards than anything else, and usually it's high-level cards, or cards that people want to be able to, to pay in a little bit a month until they can actually pay it off and get the card in hand. I've I've kind of flipped the other way. That's what I used to do. I, I was doing all the mid to high tier cards, and now I'm far, far way lower down in the bulk. Like I'll I'll sit here with ten cent to one dollar cards, just going through mm. direct and selling through TCG. Just increase shipping costs and still continue to make a profit. There's just far more demand. Here at the Ban Arbitrage Network, we have some resources that are readily available to, that are willing to talk to you about how to make. Small cards make you a profit. But that being said, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to try and master. But if you would like to, you can talk to Bacon about that on our Discord. You can talk with Truck Stop as well. Truck Stop is the king of bulk, and he absolutely loves being able to buy and sell. 
and he is more than willing to talk to you about how he does that. Some of the other things that are happening in the market right now is the Neo Kamigawa set. Have you been buying anything from Neo Kamigawa Bacon? Um, the, I have been buying the Channel Lands, but I bought them early because mm-hmm. they just seemed like the kind of the no-brainer cards to go for, purely because people love functionality and they like mana bases, and that just kind of hit both targets. So I thought it was underpriced for in the beginning, and I've kind of been playing around with the uh, the promo cards. Those hit I can't pronounce his name. Hidesuku. Hid- I can't. I can't pronounce his name. It gets who consumes all. No, actually, the um, the, the oh. legendary promo one, the one that has the different artworks. Oh, yeah. Mainly because uh, in Europe, it's it's a hundred euro for a card, and it came out in America at five hundred dollars, and it's oh, slow, it's slowly scaled down to I think it's now around two hundred and eighty. But uh, I would have moved I think fifteen copies now in three weeks. Oh. Um, it's a real kind of hot topic because you shouldn't really be trying to sell that because it is a promotional card which was given out to the retail outlets to, to, to the stores and you can only get them from them and they're supposed to hand them out under certain conditions. Um, some of them have just been fire selling them because they've been given free $100 bills and they can just sell them off. Um, so I've, I've just been buying mine through card market because a lot of people who did get them as uh, free cards from their LGSs, they've just been advertising them. And as soon as they advertise them in that 100 to 140 euro range, I just buy them. Mm-hmm. Arbitrage still rules the roost. Uh, being able to get those really nice promo cards is always fun. We had a local player from one of our premium stores here in the local area opened up the, the yellow bordered one uh, in one of his prize pools and was absolutely excited to get that $500 card I don't know if he sold it right away or if he held on to it, but pretty cool to look at. It's pretty cool to think about the, the premium level stores still holding up their end of the bargain. Did you say that he opened the yellow one in a packet or was it like some type of a price support that he got from the LGS? From price support. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I was going to yeah. say, I don't think you can get that one in. I think that's the one you can't get in a pack, which is why right. it's, it's weird. Like between the three of them, the red one carries the crazy expensive premium. But down the line, when the numbers actually come out, the yellow one's actually going to be the lowest uh, overall printing. It's just right now everyone can get it because it's being handed out as price support. Whereas the red one, you have to open it. But it, I think the numbers is like five and a half thousand for the yellow one. But the numbers haven't been given out for either the green, blue, or red. All we know is that red is the most expensive, followed by uh, blue with green being the cheapest. I think we're getting back into that mentality of the aesthetics are what people want in their EDH decks. And that red one just looks cool. One of the things that's been really affected in really in modern and EDH is are the white cards from Neo Kamigawa. There's some white cards that are really, really driving the market right now. Uh, A lot of those are like Lion Sash, which was being played in Hammer Time. Um, March of the Otherworldly Lights, which is just a, a legacy staple. And now I've, I actually saw it played in, a, uh, in an Enchantress deck this past weekend. What, what else are we noticing that's, that's really moving in the market? Uh, anything specific, specifically from Neo or just in general? Well, just uh, from Neo. I guess what I'm referring to is, is really Wandering Emperor. A Flash Commander, I think, is absolutely fantastic. 
and to see cards like Farewell as well that are just driving the market right now. Those types of cards are really, really important to EDH, but then also they're seeing play both in Modern and in Legacy, and it's fun to watch and it's fun to see how those white cards are actually affecting EDH as well. I mean, white's, white's always been um, a friend of EDH. People have always liked it, especially when it was um, being downplayed a lot because it was the underdog. People always wanted to try and play the white deck. But it is nice now that it is actually getting kind of like a color splash. It's getting the removal that it needs. It's getting the card advantage that it needs. It's getting the creatures that it wants. Um, and it's it's not that the other colors are getting left behind. It's just catching up. And I think what we're seeing is is the push from about two years ago where people were very, very concerned with the power level of white in EDH. And I think Wizards listened. What's the name of the Planeswalker again? The one that you were referring to before? Uh, the Wandering Emperor. Yeah, that thing is is insanely good to play. Like I, I've played, uh, dabbled a little bit with some um, competitive on Magic Online, and it, it is overperforming in competitive and in the same as in limited it's just a bomb in limited and i don't really know how, how it fits in the casual world it feels like it doesn't do everything you, that you'd want in a casual multiplayer game but from the competitive side of things it's very strong so how do we deal with the rest of the cards from neil kamigawa we have to realize that there's a lot of cards coming into the market right now we want to stay away from them don't bet on standard playable cards. Don't bet on modern playable cards. People have already developed a hype for EDH. We're just going to watch the prices on everything else in Neo Kamigawa slowly slide down into nothing. It's, it's, it's the same approach that we do for every set. Like, we, we, ne we never buy at the beginning unless there is an obvious, obvious misprice. If something is just far too cheap for either what it does or there's a different market that's paying more, that will eventually correct itself. Um, outside of that, it's the same type of approach of just watching waiting for the large walls to appear when there is a large wall or something you may not have an instant retail out or an instant buy list out but it's one of those cards that will be where you want it to be in three six twelve months time and it doesn't hurt to just go and sink a few hundred dollars into a large pile of bulk and push it away knowing that you are anywhere from like five ten times your money on that within the year I want to thank you for taking time today, Bacon, to join us. It's been fantastic to be able to talk to you about these little things that have happened over the past week in MTG Finance. I want to thank everybody else for joining us for Breakfast with Ban. If you have, if you would like to join us, by all means, you can check us out on Twitter or on our website, mtgban.com, or you can join us on the Discord. I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. <laughs>